The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. Hi, everyone. I am so excited for today's episode because I have an amazing guest. I have a powerful woman. I have a brilliant woman. She is an energy healer, an entrepreneur, writer. She's a speaker. She's an activist. and She's a badass. And I just recently was introduced to her through a mutual friend. Her name is Miriam Ajayi, and she's here. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. I'm literally so excited. Good. You seem refreshed. You just came back from the desert. Yes. I also, I went to Joshua Tree for like a couple of days, but then I also was like zonked the F out. Yeah. For like a couple of days afterwards, it was like the full moon in Cancer, I believe, in an eclipse. And so like I could not get off of my couch. For three to four days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like desert, but then I actually could not move. I couldn't get off my couch either. Is that why? Yeah. Or was, am I just lazy? Oh, <laughs> I've really dug into the astrology of it because I was like, okay. oh, well, one, like lazy, I think is like deconditioning that we have to do from like capitalism and colonialism. Oh, yeah. That we have to be like productive all the time because like you're productive, you burn out, you buy things to fill the void. Etc. and so on. But this full moon, it was like the end of an astrological cycle since like November 2018. And so like anything that you put into motion in November 2018, where your life was, and then even dating back to 2015, this eclipse season was a full cycle of that. So like November 2018 was when I decided I was going to quit my job in tech. And I like literally... I was in a hotel in Mexico City talking to my mentor, who's like the baddest bitch, like witch (laughs) ever that I've ever met. And I like decided I was going to quit my job. I was going to sue my company, decided not to and focusing on myself. And I like wrote a letter to the universe like this is the last time I'll ever let a white man try and control me, like, et cetera. And I was just like, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then everything kind of just spiraled. Wow. After that. So I was like having my own company now Mm -hmm. doing stuff that like I love doing, being fulfilled, living this life that I've like designed on my own. I was like, holy shit, this is like the completion (laughs) of a cycle. So I was four up to the four up. But you feel like release? Yeah, for sure. And then like on Monday, I like literally drank a bottle of red wine and watched Pose. I usually watch like true crime mystery stuff and just scare the shit out of myself (laughs) and stay away from anything that's like too emotional. And I just was like sweating, drinking red wine because I don't have AC, crying to Pose, feeling like so inspired, like drinking wine. And I just like cried myself to sleep. And then I woke up, I was like, all right, (laughs) who's ready to do stuff? Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. I normally wake up with a hangover. Well, you, you got to <laughs> drink biodynamic wine. What is biodynamic wine? It's um like natural wine where wow. it's it there's like no sulfates, no additives. And I go to this wine store that's female owned and all of the winemakers are female. 
or women identifying, sorry. And so I feel like that also adds a little like. Because they know what's up. Yeah. I love that. And also it's like it makes you feel good. (laughs) I love it. From what I know, because Jennifer, our friend that we have mutually, told me so many amazing things about you. She's got nothing but amazing things to say. She did a breath work workshop, I believe, with you. And she told me that it was just like better than any drug or anything. I mean, I love, you know, wellness. But in my experience with Reiki and breath work, it's pretty minimal, but it is so effective and so powerful. And I definitely want to get into that more. But before you got into that, you were doing like Republican lobbying, I think. Yeah, the complete opposite. Just the opposite end of the spectrum. So growing up, was that something that you aspired to get into, into politics? And was that the direction that you were always headed in? Yeah, so kind of, but not really. Like growing up, like my, I'm half Nigerian. I was born in Nigeria and my mom's African-American. And my dad's actually, or he was actually conservative. And there's a lot of conservative immigrants that live in the country. And so when we moved to America, it was during like the Bush, Bush Clinton election. And how old were you? I was five. Oh, wow. So you like. Yeah, like we watched Schoolhouse Rock and like my parents are very political. And so like growing up, we talked about politics all the time. And when we had a mock election, I think I was six at this point and I was like, I voted for Bush because I wanted to be like my dad. Oh, wow. And like that was like such a pivotal moment that I wouldn't know would inform like my adult years. And then I wanted to be a lawyer because, you know a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. I went to engineering school and I was like a sorority girl that studied psychology. And so oh I was like, goodness. I'll do this and then I'll go to law school. And then after I graduated, I just ended up at a law firm and then ended up getting recruited by a lobbying firm that was a liquor lobby firm. So it wasn't necessarily like Republican based, but definitely conservative. Conservative. So what do you do in liquor lobbying? I worked for the general counsel. And so with the liquor lobby, what they would do is they represented like all of the U.S.'s biggest liquor brands. Oh, wow. So you, like Diageo, that's the one that sticks out. There's so many of them. There's like five of them now because they all brought up each other. Was it like a drinking job or just more of a business I mean, job? <laughs> I worked in the legal department, but oh. it was like what they would do is like they would lobby for like less taxes on liquor, like Sunday sales in certain states, especially in the South, that oh. don't allow for Sunday sales of alcohol. I'm from Utah, so that's a thing too. Yeah, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you can't get alcohol. No, you got to plan ahead. You got to go to the state liquor store. Yeah. It was so interesting because we would do like legislative work, but then we would throw these like lavish parties on Capitol Hill or for congressmen, have reporters there. And, you know, because all of our companies supplied the alcohol and we would just have these like (laughs) blowout parties. And so I worked in the legal department. So it was like literally looking at complaints from alcohol industry people to writing legislation and then we would go to these parties on Capitol Hill that we would throw and like sh- hob, schnob, whatever. Well, do you have any crazy stories from those parties? Um, <laughs> like, you must have seen some okay. shit. I have my two top favorite <laughs> stories are a small event we did with John Boehner. <laughs> and it was like in like a Capitol Hill like backyard or whatever. And I used to like be obsessed with John Boehner. 
And like, I was like trying to flirt with him like so hard. And I basically just chased him around this castle <laughs> hole party all night long. And then he hit on uh, one of the gals that we worked with. And oh. he like he loves long hair. Like that was a thing on Capitol Hill about like how Boehner loved long hair. Oh, wow. And he just like brushes her hair. And like. That's creepy. Yeah, it was so creepy. Ew. Sorry, John. I don't <laughs> think he's listening. But uh, yeah. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> so that was funny because I was like, that was definitely like my type was like old creepy guys. Oh. And like, like thinking about it now, I'm like. Well, we need to talk about that. Oh, God. <laughs> and then my second favorite was, like, St. Patrick's Day one year of, like, people got selected to go to parties. And, of course, like, all of the young white girls would get selected. And, like, I would always get over, like, look to do that. And my roommate, we also worked together. And so we had, like, a blowout at our house. I lived in this group house with, like, five of us for, like, five years. Oh, my gosh. It was like Animal House. And wow. I was like, oh, so upset because <laughs> she got to go to the White House correspondence parties. She like texted me or something like there's an easy way we can get you in. Like it was a side door or something like that. And I had been obviously drinking all day for St. Patrick's Day. And I thought it was a great idea to go to this White House correspondence after party. After and day so, drinking. After day drinking. Ooh. So I just like put on some makeup. I probably looked crazy. <laughs> I used to have a shit ton of cocktail dresses then. Threw on a dress, took a taxi to like downtown DC, slid in some side door <laughs> and then went to this like after party. And when I get in, I'm like looking for my friends and I'm just like, I'm just going to go to the bar. And Wolf Blitzer is there and the breaks are playing. And I think wow. it was like, I forgot what the DJ's name is, but he was playing and I was like, hey, Wolf. Like, I knew who Wolf Blitzer was. Yeah, and then we, like, danced for a hot second. And then I, like, danced up to the VIP where my friends were. And the woman that played Precious was there. And Chris Tucker was there. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the VIP. I was like, what a weird crowd. But Yeah, at the after party for the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wait, there is another one, too. This this one was great. <laughs> we went to a John Legend like, album oh. release party, but it was a listening party. And this is when I'm like, I, John I just get to walk up, you know, to these parties and say hi to Wolf Blitzer. Like, I actually thought I was somebody. And there was a closed off section for John Legend and Chrissy Teigen because they had just started dating. And we're like, we're just going to go sit next to John Legend. It was like me and my friend. And I had like spilt slider juice like on my dress. <laughs> and I just like waltz up to the VIP oh. section in this like 50 person event oh, wow. to go sit with John Legend and the supermodel. And this big <laughs> bouncer just came out of nowhere. And it's like, you cannot sit with the artist. And like literally booted me and my friend. Oh, so you didn't get to meet him. No, I oh. couldn't even get close. Bummer. Yeah. Oh, well, we got to make that happen. Yeah, I just took it too far. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to seize the moment. Yeah. Because you never know. You would have always looked back and been like, if I would have, what if? What if? Yeah. And like, I'm charming. So I was like, we could have been friends. But exactly. yeah. It's not too late, though. No, it's never too late. I got to play Family Feud against. No way. John and Chrissy. Tegan and John's family. It was like his family and Chrissy's family. So it was like. A Shut up. Between. Yeah. <laughs> We smoked them. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, they're two nice people. Oh, that's so cool. So, so, so nice. Both of them. So, we'll make it happen. Okay. You gotta have faith. <laughs> gotta have faith. <laughs> okay, so, 
obviously, I was going to say the family background is either going to lead you into politics or lead you into <laughs> to healing. Yeah. So obviously, the family influence wasn't leading you into Reiki healing. And no, all that. no, not so at all. What was the response when you said like, hey, listen, I'm completely abandoning everything I was working towards and this is the direction I want to go in? I think everyone thought I was having like some sort of like mental dissociation or like mental break because it was just like my parents encouraged me to like do yoga because I was traveling a lot. I went from politics to tech because long story short, I just saw some crazy stuff that I was just like a handful of people control the narrative in America. And that's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And it's terrifying once you get like in it. And I was working for this like it's a small but popular lobbying firm in D.C. And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Like, my soul is actually depleted. Like, I was a shell of myself. And then I went to work in tech. And I was starting to see just, like, the same things happening. Like, misogynistic, like, racist, like, just fucked up things that were happening. And I was like, what's the answer? And my tech job, I was, like, traveling probably, like, every week. And I was I suffered from chronic pain and my parents were like, well, what about yoga? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay. And then that led me into like meditation. I found Reiki and breath work and all of these things were helping with my physical pain, but also like with my anxiety, with like depression, I didn't even know that I had. And I'm like, oh my God, like this stuff is amazing. And then I was starting to share what I was doing with my parents and I was like, okay. And then I was just like, all right, like I'm going to become a healer. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it was a slow burn because I was how doing... do you find that? I know a lot of times healing it comes from maybe lineage. Yeah. So how do you tap into that? So for me, like after all of this is said and done, like I moved back in with my parents before I left New York, moved back in with my parents, and then I came here. And I'm talking to my parents who for a time thought I was losing my mind a little bit. (laughs) And then my dad was like, yeah, well, my grandfather was a healer in the tribe that um, like from the township that my dad is from. And so I learned that like literally these things like run in my family already. And so it's just like, but it was something that we didn't ever talk about until a couple of years ago. Wow. And then through digging, I found out that my grandmother comes from a lineage of like medicine women. There's a word to it, but like using herbs and stuff. Wow. And so I'm like, okay. Like botany kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like seeing how, you know, society's conditioning of like those things. You can't do that for a career. It's bad juju, like whatever. Looking at how those things were buried and what you were supposed to do is like get a nine to five. You know, if you wanted to like really make it become a lawyer, become a doctor, go Mm -hmm. into politics, that type of thing. But like never tapping into family history and what people did to like serve their community outside of what looked good on paper. Right. Yeah. Bringing home the bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like what success looks like. Yeah. So you were just breaking that mold and busting out of that so how did you start tapping into it and how how did you start discovering your what do you call it powers yeah you know what, what you My have super within. Pa- I'm gonna shoot things <laughs> <laughs> I call it powers yeah but, you know just that that real kind of intuition and that sort of skill set I yeah guess. yeah so like I am a psychic I hate saying that 
word. Um, Love it. I know. <laughs> but like <laughs> a healer, like all of those things, I like look back, like I remember like just knowing things about people or picking up on people's feelings like all of my life and was like, that is weird. Like I have, I can't look at that. So I feel like it always existed. And it was when I was like living in Brooklyn and kind of just sick of the Western way of doing things and started to explore like the first healer that I worked with was like, you're a healer. Wow. So I, and I didn't know what that meant. And then like the second person I went to is like, did you ever just know something, you know, like, can you pick up on people's feelings? Have you, are, like, are you able to predict things before they happen? For me, it was like the guidance of the healers that I was seeing with that were helping me connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And I like ran away from it for a long time. And it wasn't until I like really started making these healing modalities part of like my regular practice. So like instead of like going out, I would go to a breathwork circle. Wow. I like had no money living in New York, but I was just like instead of, you know, eating out for an entire week, like I'm going to spend this two hundred dollars and go work with this Reiki practitioner. And so I just decided I was going to spend like extra income on exploring all of these things. Wow. How long did it take you to? I think it's like 2000, maybe 2016. And like I just spent a year doing all of these things, ignoring every single healer that told me I was a healer. Because I was like, what does that even like mean? You know, like what will my life look like if I'm a healer? You know, because a lot of people I saw that were healers were like, these like white blonde girls that like meditated all day. And I'm like, I don't want to meditate all day. Yeah. Do you know what I'm like? <laughs> <laughs> that seemed just like really out of touch with what was going on in the world, yeah. you know? And I'm like, that is like weird. And everyone was like, you don't have to choose. Like you can be a business person and also be a healer. And it was like, there are these misconceptions from, you know, the capitalistic, you know, version of what wellness is now. Right. And so I got my Reiki one finally just after like a really shitty night out in New York. I was just like, I don't want to keep, you know, of the same old, same old. And again, it was just like, show me like I just asked the universe, like, show me what you want me to do. And then my Reiki, one of my first Reiki master just like DM me. and was like, hey, I'm doing a training. Do you want to do it? No. I was just like, OK, I have to trust that. And like the timing of it was like literally, I think, a week after I made this like declaration to God knows who I just like said it out loud and then she zoomed in and I think that was the first time I like knowingly followed my intuition trusted it fully yeah wow and then after that it was like one thing after another these like really profound healers and teachers just started showing up in my life that's amazing and I think it needs to be normalized for people to keep searching for their their truth and their real calling regardless of how long you've been on the path and how much time you've invested or money you've invested into something or whatever career feature that you've been on. Because I think it can be totally fine if you just get to a point or reach a wall and decide like, this isn't what I want to do. And you have a calling to something else. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when I went from politics to tech, it was like, whoa, (laughs) you know, and then I'm like, I'm going to start being a healer and do tech, like that type of thing. It was like, whoa, you know, (laughs) it's okay for us to change our minds. And it's not even just changing our minds. Like everything is a puzzle piece, you know? Right. I think that's what Beyonce says. But um, it's like 
now, you know, working towards dismantling systems of oppression, like from, you know, upholding them of uh, sometimes I have a lot of shame and guilt around that that will pop back up. I used to have a lot and I've like shut it because it's like I needed to see that and I like needed to see how it works. So I could actually just like tell people, right, you know, this is how it works. You know, like when you see an article, like you can literally probably trace it back to a corporation if you put in the work, you know, it's all there. The paper trail's there. People just don't want to look. It's freaky. Yeah, it's really, really freaky. And so it's like, I, I also know that like, we can't spend a lot of our energy trying to convince those people to do better. All we can do is trying to like, you know, create our own systems to create something new. Because if we try and convince the people that have been upholding it, that have built it, we're not really going to get anywhere. Oh, yes. That's why I completely left politics. I think everyone has a role. I don't think my role is in that arena anymore. But I feel like there's still crossover between wellness and tech. I know like a lot of tech people invest a lot into wellness. Yes. And go to like Burning Man. Yeah. (laughs) Do the ayahuasca and they, you know, are constantly trying to like tap into mm-hmm. areas of their conscious and subconscious minds to like become more I don't know what the word is. Like innovative. Yeah. Yeah. Innovative. Yeah, and like my tech company was like the reason why I felt safe enough to actually like start exploring these things. Like our office manager was a yoga teacher. We talked about meditation and all this stuff, but it was what I found that it was like to a certain extent. Yeah. It was all just like for the I instead of like the we and this like very selfish based wellness that you saw. And it was like, how can I excel, you know, to interesting for my end game instead of just like, how can we all be doing this like together to make ourselves as a collective better? And it was like, let's not confront the other things that are behind, you know, (laughs) the bigger, the bigger things that people like literally would run away from the mechanics of it. Yeah. So you're still in tech as you're doing your Reiki training? Yeah, I had my training and then I just like started seeing people like relatively soon, like RIP to the wing, huge controversy around that. But like I would go to my job at tech and then like I'd go home and go to the wing and practice out of the wing. And so the wing. Oh, the wing is like a co-working space for women. Oh, okay. For people that I identify as women and non-binary and trans, and they have several locations. It started in New York, but it is no longer. It was okay. built on a house of lies. Um, <laughs> which is in the midst of like crumbling right now, but that's neither here nor there. It was like literally like at my job in tech. And then I would start seeing clients out of the wing. And then I just was like booking people that were these other like bad bitches doing awesome things. And I'd be like, you know, they're running up against an issue with their company or they're stuck on an idea because they're entrepreneurs. And I'm like, I feel like we can just move some stuff around. And I channel when I do Reiki. And so I was like, literally like helping people align their chakras and then like talking about business deals when I'm giving them Reiki because I was channeling and then I would like send them on their way. (laughs) And people would be like, what are you in that back room (laughs) because sometimes I do breath work or like Reiki and stuff like that and I was working with these powerful powerful women and just seeing like changes happening in their lives and I was just like oh this is like a cool side thing that I'm doing 
And I didn't really think that I would, again, I had so much resistance to doing healing full time. So when did you decide to go full time into it? I think it was last year, like last February. Oh, wow. I decided to start my consulting company that is no longer helping like mindful entrepreneurs and people grow their businesses. And I would go into corporations and teach them about mindfulness, but then actually like apply it to the strategy that they're doing. And then I was doing like breathwork and Reiki full time. Well, not full time, but you know, yeah, a, a lot more than I was doing it before. And I was really exploring like, was this resistance to doing healing work full time? Mm-hmm. Or did I have a role in business? And it was like, I was seeing so many spiritual advisors and I kept like meditating on it. And it was like, no, you're supposed to do both and to be the like the bridge. And that's your role in what's ever happening in this world. And so I kind of just embraced that of like, I'm here to do both. And then things just started like really coming together once I like accepted that as my mission. Amazing. And I want to talk about Dive In Well. Yes. When did that come to be? Yeah. So explain what it is. Yeah. So (laughs) Dive In Well is my second company that I'm focused on, you know, full time now. We started off as a dinner series because as I started to get more and more involved with the wellness industry, I just saw how whitewashed it was which created like a lot of harm for myself and for like other black indigenous people of color, also BIPOC for short. And so I had this incident with this manifestation guru. I ended up writing an article about it and it went viral in the wellness space and it was around white supremacy and fragility and wellness. And then I decided to start bringing together people to actually like talk about what we were going to do to change the industry and to make it a safer space for BIPOC to heal and start honoring the traditions that it came in. And so it was just a dinner in February of 2019. And I think like 20 like wellness folks came and I just like literally invited people that I admired in the industry and was like, will you come to this dinner so we could talk about diversity and inclusion and DM people found connections through people. And I'm like, people responding back like, thank God we're finally like able to talk about these things and we can talk about it in a safe space. And so it kind of felt like fight club, you know, (laughs) like it was like this like 20 person dinner. And then the next one was 40 people. I ended up coming out to LA for a breathwork training and I had a reading from this Akashic Records facilitator practitioner. And she was like, you got to come out to LA. And I was like, no, It's not for me, dog. You're like, I'm East Coast. (laughs) Yeah. All the way. (laughs) And like LA was like, I came here for my tech job. And it was also just like a ridiculous town. I'm like, this place is is just like so ridiculous. And like, I just get (laughs) to come here, stay at the standard, go to Erewhon, see some celebrities, like, (laughs) and then just fly off and go back to wherever the hell I came from. And I was just like, this place, every time I left LA, I'd be like, this place is not real. Like, it's just (laughs) absurd. People are ridiculous. And then, um, you know, never say never. I ended up coming here to just work on having a dinner here. And then I was like, I'm going to stay. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know what any of this means. And in L.A., we had such like a profound dinner. And then we had another dinner in New York. And then I was like, OK, I'm going to turn this into its own company. And so now, um, obviously, with COVID, we're not allowed to have in-person events. And so we started doing online events. And we saw that how like all of the like 
white, cis, heterosexual, able-bodied businesses were able to just like get online like that. Mm -hmm. And all of these BIPOC people and people from marginalized communities really struggle to bring their businesses online. We're acting as a gap to help BIPOC people have a safe space for wellness online and then also helping practitioners. And then we just started releasing a lot of resources to help people diversify their online wellness and to be an active participant in a more equitable wellness industry, whether it was online or offline. And then all of the riots started happening and we were recognized for being a safe space for BIPOC people and people that were leading a discussion around diversity and inclusion. Because obviously with COVID, it really highlighted like the injustices for marginalized communities in the healthcare industry. Wow. So people were looking for wellness, but then obviously, you know, wellness has a huge diversity problem. Yep. And so people were just like, who are the people that are leading this way? And I will give it to a couple of like bigger brands of like, we haven't gotten it right. So we're going to highlight other people that have been doing it. And so Dive and Well kind of just like exploded over the past four weeks. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's been intense. <laughs> but that's amazing. But it's really, yeah, it's it's super. I mean, we are we're doing our first online salon dinner, which will be invite only for a select group of leaders. And we'll have a guest speaker come in. We're doing more and more thought leadership talks. Uh, we released our ebooks around diversity, inclusion, allyship and privilege. We had a big celebration for Juneteenth for Black folks only, led by Black practitioners and thought leaders. Lots of lots of resources and lots and lots of space. For people who, because I know I know right now there's a lot of people who are wanting to be more supportive of Black community and yeah. entrepreneurs and people in different industries. And so people who are in are active um, in wellness and want to be supportive what would you suggest that they do if they come into dive in well and how they can be active and supportive yeah so for me like taking our classes that are predominantly like led by BIPOC people Mm -hmm. one it's like really hard for white people sometimes a lot of times to be led by black and brown people Mm -hmm. so even just coming to a class like a meditation class that's led by a black practitioner is anti-racism work Mm -hmm. being led by a black person we have so many online resources that are really meant for people to reflect and unpack like how they participate um, in the wellness industry and how they can participate in a more diverse wellness industry so like buying one of our workbooks and then our thought leadership talks are like phenomenal we have a really great one planned for july i'm not i don't know if i'm allowed to say it but our talks like coming to our talks and then also just like looking at the practitioners that we highlight and that we follow they're nationwide or worldwide or yeah they're nationwide starting to be worldwide and i'm like covid is a it's terrible what's happening it's heartbreaking but you know for us we were like we were going between new york and la And our expansiveness was going on a tour, a five city tour. But now we've been able to reach people from around the world. Like we've had Brazil, obviously, like Australia. We've had people from Europe attend our events. So like the sky is the limit. You know, in a lot of ways, even though it's kept us inside and we're socially distant, it's kind of 
oddly bringing people together. Yes, exactly. Through the interwebs. Through the- <laughs> but it's, yeah, things are becoming more available to people because you can't have things be in person. So people are having things become available online, which is really been resourceful so everything what you're saying is people can access through is it just diveinwell.com mm-hmm. diveinwell.com yeah and obviously like the instagrams there's a lot of amazing so stuff that you put out through your instagram at maria Majai. maria Majai, yeah and then at diveinwell yes but i know people are just constantly always looking for endless amounts of resources to educate themselves because that's what everyone needs to be doing right now yeah and I'm like I go a little bit more ham on my personal (laughs) work around anti-racism and I talk a lot more around breath work Mm -hmm. you know on my personal Instagram if people want to work with you particularly Mm, yeah that's a good question they wanted to do like a session with you yeah do you do those kind of things virtually (laughs) the good thing is I was a nomad for a year and a half, so I actually Uh rarely ever saw clients in person for the past year and a half. Oh, okay. And I would be like, hey, y'all, like, I'm going to be in L.A. or I'll start seeing people in New York when I'm there in a month, like that type of thing. So I've had a virtual practice basically for a minute now, but I do see one-on-one clients. I haven't been taking them recently. I'm going to open them back up in August, but I also have like a breathwork membership that I'll be launching. I had a course in Jan and then in April. And then I paused it for a hot second just to regroup. And so the course is going to be its own membership where you'll be able to do two breathwork ceremonies a month. And that has been phenomenal. Like people that have gone through that kind of like program that have had a regular breathwork practice like literally seeing people change their lives. Transformative. Yeah, it's been so transformative. So that will be a membership. And then I have a mentorship program for people that want to explore like Ooh. their healing powers where we'll like, we'll have the breath work, but we'll explore things like using the tarot, the Akashic records, your intuition, tracing back your family lineage, like all of these things to help you tap into your superpowers. And that's available it's not available oh, yet. <laughs> when? Oh, my God. I'm supposed to launch both of them on August 3rd. But, like, every time I put a date, I'm like, I push it back. So I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it comes up really quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, coming up really soon. So it terrifies me a little bit. And I haven't done anything like that before. Um, but, you know, I'll open my books up soon for August. And those will be limited. So I want to be able to do, like, group things. Mm -hmm. to still be able to like siphon out you know teachings and resources and helping people to really just you know explore their inner landscape I would love to do that oh my god personally and I definitely want to do like breath work with you I feel like everyone should at least get their Reiki one there's so many like online certifications now Mm -hmm. like my teacher did two online which I mean they work. Yeah. And so I, I love like exploring those things like the Akashic Records. You could open it up today okay, if you will wanted you, to. I don't exactly really know what that is. Will you explain what the Akashic Records yes. is? Yeah. The Akashic Records are an imprint of your soul through space and time for your highest good. Wow. And everything has an Akashic Records. So like you have an Akashic Records. You're married. Like your marriage has an Akashic Records. This wall has an Akashic Records. L.A. has an Akashic Records. I opened them up for L.A. once. 
COVID has Akashic Records. And so it's just information on, you know, it's not necessarily what is going to happen or what could happen or why things are happening or how they're happening and how it plays into the higher good of everyone connected to that thing, that soul. How does one even read that? Yeah, so... It's crazy. There's different ways. Some people access it through Reiki, some people through meditation. I learned something called the pathway prayer process from Linda Howe. And like, I just bought a book. I saw, I got an Akashic Records reading here in LA. And she told me, she was like, get the book and open it up yourself. And I was like, what? (laughs) And it was like, just getting past like fear of doing it. Because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to see when I open them up. And like, I'm that type of witch for like, I don't want to see some crazy stuff. Like <laughs> I don't want to see it either. Like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to see things floating by me or like uh. any of that shit. You know, not all the time. And so I just had like all of these things of like what I thought was going to happen. But I opened it up. and It was more so just like a vibration. It's different for every okay. person. But like it was like more like because I'm a medium, I will see, feel, sense things. But this was just a clear channel of that. What kind of medium would you describe yourself as? Like, what kind of like a psychic medium? But um, but I, I, so I would say clairsentient, like feeling. Sometimes I see things. I I always forget the exact names, but like the clear knowing. So I'm just like, that's gonna happen. And people like, okay, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) Sometimes I'll. I've recently started to develop the the sense of smell. Mm. So like, I'll smell someone. And I'll be like, that person was like thinking about me or I'll smell something and it'll remind me of someone and then I'll reach out to them and like they've been going through something. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that one's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Wishy. That's so cool, though. And I'm not really like clear audience. My clear audience comes through in like music. So usually like a song lyric will come up. Or a song will keep repeating in my mind and then I'll put it like I'll play the song and there's like a hidden message in there for me. There's a woman who I see in L.A. for tarot and she'll play music the whole time. And as she's like, well, reading, she'll, she'll be reading like a song will play and she'll be like, oh, do you hear this? Like it'll be like a particular like lyric. That yeah. Like, or like a message in a song to this particular moment in the reading and it'll be it's it's wild how it happens it's really cool because I'm very audio myself and music and everything just like speaks to me and so yeah I really like that yeah I love that so much I feel like that's something you should explore like especially if you can't get a song out of your head and just like listen to it there's someone called Carlos Alberto that I'm close to in the meditation world he's on our board and like he does these videos where he'll just play a song and he'll meditate to it. And I started doing that and like put with songs that have popped into my mind. And I'll just sit and like put it on repeat. Wow. Well, it would have to be a song that just popped into your head, not like a song that gets stuck in your head like Baby Shark. Well, <laughs> funny you say that because <laughs> I kept like singing Baby Shark because I thought like, you know, I was spending too much time with my cousin's child. <laughs> but then I just also like put it on one day and I'm like, I am the shark. <laughs> Which one, Mama Shark? So I think I'm Baby Shark, but I call our CFO Baby Shark. So I'm probably Grandma Shark. (laughs) Grandma Shark. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's funny. Well, I don't want to keep you forever because I know you got busy gal. Yeah. You got places to go and people to see and (laughs) energies to heal. 
I want you to heal my energy at some yeah. point, and I really want to do breath work with you when you have availability. Yes. Let's get something scheduled. Yes. So in the meantime, so you don't have the breath courses or the Reiki courses available yet, but soon. Yes. August. So August, fingers crossed. So in the meantime, we can find you on social media. And then also, is there like a website that people can be checking for updates? Yeah, I have my own personal website. It's mariamajai.com. M-A-R-Y-A-M-A-J-A-Y-I.com. And then diveinwell, diveinwell.com. Definitely. I really, really would recommend everyone check out Dive In Well. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I think you're amazing. And I just yeah. can't wait to just do all the things. Do all the things. Yes. But yeah. Thank Anyways, you. until next time. See ya. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, follow along on social at Music Kills Kate, and tune in next week for an all new episode. <laughs>